Morning. Remember last fall we went through the uh, values of the church? We've kind of been doing a little review and using that as an outline for some of the sermons. Value number five, if you remember. Does anybody remember? Value number five. Yeah, I had to look it up too. It's gifted service. And there it is. Boom. We are committed to being the kind of people who reflect both the purpose and the personality of Jesus by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us for the benefit of others, both inside the church and outside the church. So we got to value five because first value one was biblical authority. We believe the Bible is God's word and it shows us a better way to live. And one of the primary things we learned from that in value number one is that Jesus wants to have an intimate relation with us. So value number two was intimate relationship. Value number three was that we are committed to uh, uh, intentional apprenticeship. Meaning that we're going to be like Jesus. He's the master, we're the apprentice, and we're pursuing that. Value number four we talked about last week was an authentic community. Brothers and sisters, we live together. We have things in common, and that brings us to value five, the gifted service. Um, God does things differently than, than I would do them. Do you agree with that? He doesn't do things the way I do. For instance, if I were the king of the universe, I'd be in control of everything. Because I'm not the king of the universe and I still try to control everything. Right? Can you identify? It's interesting that God chose to not do that. To be the king of the universe, but to not be in control of everything. I know that's a shock for most of us to even consider that. That the king of the universe is not in control of everything. How do I know this? Well, number one, observation. Right? There was a shooting in Heston, Kansas this week. Was God in control of that? Obviously no, right? God didn't make some guy cheese slip off his cracker and go start shooting his co-workers God didn't do that God didn't choose who died and who lived God wasn't in control of that because God's not in control of you if God were in control of you that would make you a puppet God the puppet master he waves your hand and you wave your hand is that the way God works with you? No. God gave from the beginning of creation, He gave you the ability to choose. Right? You can choose to love God or not love God. Adam and Eve had the choice of eating anything in the garden or eating the, the tree that He said don't eat from. They chose. When Jesus taught us to pray, He said... Let's see, how's that go? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Why do we pray thy kingdom come? Because it needs to. It's not here. It needs to come. What's the next words? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray that? 
Because God's will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. It'd be ridiculous for us to pray that. Jesus did not teach us to pray. And please make the sun come up every morning. We don't pray that. Because it's going to come up every morning until God says the end of days. Right? We pray that God's will be done because God's will is not being done. So, I said all that to say this. Why do we need gifted service? Because God has chosen to work through us. The kingdom is all about the people in the kingdom doing the will of the Father to have impact on this world. How do people come to faith in Jesus? Where does faith come from? Hearing. Faith comes from hearing. How do people hear? Somebody speaks. Right? We speak. You speak. They hear. The Holy Spirit picks up that word that was heard and produces faith in a person's life. And they believe. Because someone spoke to them. It's, it would be very comforting to think that God's got this. Right? I can step back and just let God do His thing. But do you know what God's thing is? When God does His thing, you know what that is? It causes you to act. That's what God's thing is. A follower of His takes some action. Gifted service. Um... If someone is hungry, how does God feed them? Through somebody, gift of money or food. Right? If, if someone is lonely, how does God minister to them? Through the brothers and sisters in Christ, or anyone for that matter, that goes and offers companionship. How about if someone's lost? Well, He uses you and I to shine the light so that they can be found. What if someone is hurt? He uses us to administer His grace so that comfort can be brought. Now, none of these things work well and as intended if God is not in them. But if you're not doing them, God won't do it. Now, if you're hearing and understanding what I'm saying, you realize the important role that you play in the kingdom. That if you don't do what God has called you to do, then God either has to get somebody else to do what He called you to do, or that goes undone. <coughs> Romans 12.1 Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now we know what God has done for us. God's mercy. Jesus. Right? I made a mess of my life doing things the way I thought they should be done. Jesus came to heal my broken heart, set the captives free, Making me righteous through his sacrifice. Forgiving me of my sins. Giving me new life in him. 
That's the mercy that God did. Because of God's mercy, everything about me has changed. Everything. And because everything has changed, and I know that that came from God, therefore, I urge you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why your body? Why not your mind? Why not your soul? Why not something else here? Why your body? Why? Well, what if you offer your mind to God as a living sacrifice? What changes? The way you think. And it's important that the way you think changes. It's critical. But nobody gets any benefit because you think differently. What about your soul? Oh, that impacts you a lot to offer your soul to God. And you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if you offer your soul to God, what does that change? You and God. Nobody else. But when you offer your body, that involves actions, doesn't it? It is my body that serves other people. Not my mind. Not my soul. My body. If you give him your body, it means you are doing good things. Doing. Jesus said uh, many times that the blessed is he who hears my words and does them. Puts them into practice. Our mouths are incredible things. We can speak truth with our mouths. We can speak hate with our mouths. Our mouths matter. But I can tell the hungry person or the cold person, be warm and well fed. And what did they get because of that? Well, we might have meant it as encouragement or to let them know that we care. But they're still cold and still hungry after I've wished them to be warm and well fed. So it's not that our words don't matter. But this is not about words. That's part of the process of this. But it is about our body. Because if somebody is hungry, they need food. And if I have food, or I have money to buy food, God is telling me, Tony, offer your body as a living sacrifice to me. Um, if someone has a need, if something must be done, if there is work to do, words won't cut it requires action. Now offering your body is holy and pleasing. It's a sacrifice to God to offer your body. Holy and pleasing. God really values this when you offer yourself. He says it's, it's true and proper worship. Now many of us think that singing a song is true and proper worship. And we absolutely can worship while we sing. But you can also sing and not worship God at all. Right? One way I know we can worship God truly and properly is to offer our bodies to Him as a living sacrifice. Verse 2 and 3. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So rather than conform, we are supposed to be transformed, changed. God is changing us, literally from the inside out, by changing our mind, by having our minds renewed. We need this. We need our minds renewed. Because before Jesus, we had life all figured out. We knew how to make life work, at least for us. Now maybe it didn't work well, but it was our way. It's just me, right? So we have these thoughts in our head of how do I respond when this happens? And how do I respond when this happens? And this is what I do in this situation. And we got to get that changed. Our minds have to be renewed. When our minds are renewed, then we're able to test and approve what God's will is. Meaning, when our minds are renewed, I can know the will of God. I know what God wants me to do. I know what God wants you to do. I know God's will when my mind is being renewed. See, it's really important that when we offer our bodies as living sacrifice, we're hooked up very close with the kingdom. So that we're using our bodies to do the things that are God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is one of the ways you can tell what God's will is. It's by the fruit, the results of what happens. Is it good, pleasing, and perfect? Chances are it's God's will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. <laughs> I think this is funny. Because it seems to me most of us go one of two ways. And the most common way is, I'm good for nothing. God couldn't use me. There's, there's nothing I can do. Even if I offered my body as a living sacrifice, it wouldn't make any difference. This is, I got nothing. nothing I, how can I help in this situation? I can't do anything. See, most of us go that direction, and that would be thinking less of what we are than we really are. But on the other hand, when I start realizing who I am in Christ, and that I know God's will and my mind's being transformed, and I've been given the glory of God like we studied about last week, and I do something and it starts to work, then I start to think, I got this. I can handle this. I know what to do here. Last time this happened and I did this and God was glorified and everything got better. So that's obviously the solution to this problem is for me to do this. It's not the way God works. How many times did Jesus heal a blind person? I tell you, just about every time he did it, he did some different thing. One time he spit in the mud, spit in the dirt, made mud and put it on somebody's eyes. How many times did he do that? Well, one as far as I know. Sometimes he told somebody to go wash in this pool. and Sometimes he did this and sometimes he did that. Because he always did what was needed in the right situation. The only way you know what to do in the right situation is because of this intimate relationship you have with Jesus. And your mind is being renewed. And this close conversation you have going on as you pray without ceasing. Jesus, what would you have me do? Because what he had you do last time 
is probably not at all what he's going to have you do this time. So this one time this woman was lost and I told her all about this living water that comes from the well, like the woman at the well, and that she could have life through this living water and she'd never be thirsty again. And she accepted Jesus. So that's my path now. I'm telling everybody about living water from here on out. See how we do these things? That's not the plan. Everybody's different and unique. Look around the room. You are different and unique. So is the rest of the world. You need to know what God's will is. You know that by having your mind renewed because of this intimate relationship, the mercy of God that it's been given you. Now because we've been given so much grace and we are worshiping God by offering our bodies and because our minds are being transformed and because great things are happening in the kingdom, the temptation that Satan brings us is to think, you got this. Nicely done, Tony. You got it. And then I start thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. And that I can do all things on my own. Which is not true. You unplug me from Jesus, I got nothing. You unplug you from Jesus, you got nothing. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. But rather, with sober judgments in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God has distributed faith to you. And through the power of Jesus' name, and through His leading, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Without Him, I'm sorry. It won't work. And even if it does work, there's no eternal good from it. So verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're the body of Christ. We're joined together. That's what we talked about last week. In in unity and being one, we are one body joined together. Now I have a physical body, and it is joined together mostly. It has many members. They don't all do the same function. When my eyes need to see something, my neck muscles turn my head so I can see it. My eyes can only move so far on their own. They can't see much. And with this bad left side, I've got to turn a long ways to see what's over here. And uh, I, my eyes need my head, my neck muscles. So imagine if my right foot wanted to go over here, But my left foot wanted to go over here. Well, it's not going to take very long until things get really bad for me. Right? The members of my body got to be on the same page. We have to have unity. We have to be one. So, my knee, it needs my foot. And my hip, it needs my knee. And my back, it needs my hips. And my neck, needs my back. And my head needs my neck. Now my eyes need my head and neck so they can turn and see to tell my foot where to take the next step. See how we circled all the way around that every piece of me is needed by some other part of me? You guys are mostly all in the same boat. The members of your body need each other. Now if I tried to see with my foot things would not go well. 
Unless I cut a hole in my boot so it could see out, right? But even then, I don't think it'd work. There's so many parts of my body that have a single purpose, a critical function. Many that we just don't value at all. But we were fearfully and wonderfully made, and our body parts serve a purpose. Now, I can survive without some of my body parts. You could lop off a leg, I'd still survive. Would I have all the function I have with my leg? No, it'd be less. Both arms, both legs. I'm still here. I just have less function now. Now, this is not to say to say anything bad about a handicapped person. They understand this. They have to overcome their handicaps to live a, quote, normal, productive life. The body of Christ is the same way. When the members of the body of Christ are not fulfilling their function of the body, the body's handicapped, and we have to overcome our disability to try to be functioning. That's not the way God intended it. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is reading and speaking, then do it well. Oh, that's not in there. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You have been given gifts. By faith, God gave you gifting. You have abilities. The abilities you have are different than the person sitting next to you. There's overlap. That's good. There's similarities between gifting, but they're different. God has given you gifting. He's given you ability. And along with that ability, he's given you responsibility. And with that ability and responsibility comes purpose. And with the ability, the responsibility, and the purpose comes value. Or another way to say that is glory. God has given you what you need to serve the body of Christ. And he's given it to you because the body of Christ needs it. The world needs it. The kingdom needs it. Whatever your gift is, use it. The body, the kingdom, needs it. If you prophesy, if you're a teacher, a proclaimer, do that. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, then teach, or encouraging, or giving, or leading. Now this list... This is a list of important gifts that the church needs. This is not all-inclusive. There's other lists, of, other lists of gifts that God has given us. So, but I would ask you about this list. Do you see yourself in this list? Do you see yourself here? That God has gifted you and you see that in you? I, I suspect that most of you will see yourself in this list in some way. 
what happens when my toe says, eh, I'm out. I'm not going to work today. I'm going to walk with a limp. You know what happens to the church, the kingdom of heaven, when you don't do, you don't use the gifting that God has given you? We're going to walk with a limp. We're not going to be the living, healthy body that Jesus has called us to be. And you know, if my toe says, I'm not going to work today, two of my other toes, or maybe all of my other toes, they're going to try to pick it up a little bit to carry the load. And you know what happens to the other toes that start picking up and trying to carry the load because the one toe isn't doing its work? They get strained and stressed and tendonitis and weak and all that other stuff. And even though they try to do their best, four toes won't work. It takes five. Now, I'm no medical doctor, so maybe that will work. You get my point, right? When something isn't doing its part, everything around it has to try to pick up its game to do that part. But as everything around it tries to pick up its game and do more, now they're doing more than was intended by God. They're doing it by their own. They're putting themselves under stress and all kinds of strain. And we call that burnout here in the church. Because somebody that can do this does that. And then they say, well, that needs to be done and nobody's doing it. So I'll do that too. And then they say, well, in this thing. And now one or two or three people are carrying the load for the whole church. And the one or two or three people get burnt out and quit doing their job and the whole thing dies. That's not healthy. That's not the way it's supposed to be. If you don't do your job, if you don't use your gifts, then someone else has to try to pick up the slack. But they are not able to. Um, now it's not my intent this morning to lay a guilt trip on you and to tell you that you ought to be doing more buddy it's not my point at all it's not my job I'm not the Holy Spirit it's not my place to convict you it is my place to encourage you to motivate you to teach you to correct you and so here I'm telling you. God wants you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. What's it look like to offer your body as a living sacrifice? I don't know what you did yesterday. I don't know how you filled your time. But I know that every minute of yesterday was full. You filled it with something. In order for you to offer your body as a living sacrifice, you absolutely must put something else down. That's why it's a sacrifice. Whatever you filled your time with, you have to stop doing some of that so you can begin to do the, the gifting, the glory that God has given you to do. You can't add it on. It's impossible. Right? There was only so many ticks in the clock yesterday. You might have wasted them. Quote, wasted them. I don't know. Maybe you were completely busy from daylight till dark. I don't know that either. I'm just saying this. In order for you to pick up the gifting, to do the gifting that God has done you for the kingdom of heaven and for his glory, you're going to have to stop doing something you're currently doing. Those are the facts. What do you need to stop doing? I don't know. Ask Jesus. As he renews your mind, he will reveal to you what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is and show you what you're wasting your time doing 
and show you what you should be doing to serve in the kingdom of heaven. Um, laying yourself aside, your body, your time, to give that to God as a living sacrifice. I heard a long time ago, somebody said, what's the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice? You know, because in the Old Testament, they kill all the sacrifices and then they put them on the altar. What's the difference between a dead one and a living one? The living sacrifices can crawl back off of the altar. So you might have offered yourself on Friday, but Saturday you said, no, I'm out today. See, that's the, the benefit, the responsibility of being the living sacrifice, the God's will. You've got to choose to do it. I'm glad that in 1976 you taught Sunday school. Praise God. That's been 40 years. Doesn't cover today. Right? My back used to be strong, but it's not now. That's the way several of us live in the kingdom. Yeah, I used to do that, but I don't do it anymore. And I understand. <laughs> There's probably several reasons why you don't do it anymore, and probably the biggest one is because of us. Because of the way we treated you. Us being the body of Christ. Because we love to beat up anybody who tries to take ownership of something and do it, right? We love to sit back and nitpick and complain and say, well, they didn't do it right. If I'd have done it, I'd have done it like this. How crazy would it be for my eyes to tell my toes how to do their job? But in church, we don't mind doing that at all, right? We don't hesitate at all to tell somebody how they're doing their job. Wrong. Does anybody here like uninvited help? Because I don't think anybody likes that. I'm, I'm very guilty, I understand. So this is me saying I know. Somebody's doing something, and we'll do a drive-by telling them how they're doing it wrong and what they should do differently. Just because we can, right? That's not Jesus' way. How about ask, seek, and not? You want to help somebody? Why don't you start by doing that? Asking them how you can help. Seeking to know their heart. Finding them. Finding what their, the solution is. W working with them, not just doing a drive-by and dumping on somebody. So there's both sides of this, offering yourself as a sacrifice. There's a time to speak and a time to be silent. There's a time to work and a time to rest. This is the way the kingdom of heaven works. Work your fingers to the bone. I served God for 45 years. You ever hear people talk that way? It's because their life is out of whack. He leads me beside still waters. There's a time to rest. And a time to have a Sabbath. And then you get back up and do the gifting he's given you again. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. And if the way you're serving God isn't like that, you might want to do some examination and have a little talk with Jesus and see how he would have you live instead of the way you are living. With life and freedom. So, I'm giving you a nudge. 
some encouragement, some teaching and some mercy to pull you into action. To remind you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. To let your mind be transformed, intentionally seeking that transformation from the Holy Spirit. And to encourage you to serve well. Because value number five is this. We are committed to being the kind of people who reflect both the purpose and the personality of Jesus by leveraging the gifts Jesus has given us for the benefit of others, both inside the church and outside the church. It's easy for me to stand up here and say what we're all committed to. But I don't get to, say, I don't get to really choose that, do I? See, this is, where, this is your part. Are you committed to this? Just the kind of person, the kind of church you belong to, that we reflect the purpose and the personality of Jesus? That we are serving the kingdom well, leveraging the gifts that Jesus has given us for the benefit of others. I didn't put the next verse up uh, in Romans 12, verse 9. Does anybody have their Bible there, Romans 12, verse 9? Can anybody read what that says? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Let love be genuine. What's the motivation for using these gifts? Love. It's love. Love for other people. Both inside the church and outside the church. They need our love. And so I'm asking you. Are you offering yourself as a living sacrifice? Are you committed to service? And what is that? What does that look like? What have you done? Okay? Okay. You don't owe me an explanation of it. I don't need to know. I'm asking you, you and Jesus. Jesus, am I using my gifting? Jesus, I didn't even know I had gifting. Do I have some? What is it? What would you have me do? Could you imagine what the earth would be like if the followers of Jesus followed Jesus? Could you imagine the transformation that could take place? When good overcomes evil by love, by using the gifting that God has done to meet the needs of other people, to show the purpose and the personality of Jesus. See, that's the offer here. This isn't that you can, you know, put your back into it and work harder. That's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is following the Holy Spirit. Light and easy. Doing the things that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And, and you and Jesus got to work this out. Not me. Now, if you have some gifting and you want to use that gifting at the church, come talk to me and the other elders. We'll find the place to put you to work with that. And, and so as an organization, we need service. We need gifted service. But the kingdom needs the gifted service that doesn't necessarily come from an organization like at this building. It's the kingdom of heaven. And you can serve people through this church or outside of this church, with this church, without this church. You can do all that through the kingdom of heaven. It's a great thing. Where is Jesus calling you to serve? What has he gifted you to do? And are you doing that? 
Jesus, when we think of the mercy that we have been shown, when we think of what you gave to make me whole, my only response is to offer myself back to you completely. So I offer my body as a living sacrifice. I place my life in your hands and say, Jesus, use me however you see fit. Now, I don't always know what that is, Jesus, and I need you to reveal that to me, to speak to me, to motivate me, to, with the power of the Holy Spirit, reveal, to give me wisdom and revelation, to know what your will is so that I can do it. And Jesus, I don't want to shrink back and not do something because I'm afraid or because I don't know how it's going to work out. Because I know, Jesus, that you said I could do all things through you. So, quite frankly, I don't want to do anything without you. And I do want to do everything with you and through you. So, Jesus, thanks for this gifting you've given. Um, if I don't know what it is, reveal it to me. Open my eyes, let me see. Give me a glimpse and a taste. But overall, Jesus, may I live my life by faith. I don't need to know how it's going to get done. I don't need to know how it's going to work out. I don't need to know the end game. I just need to know what you've called me to do. And I'll do it. Yes, Jesus, I'll do it. So, through all of us, Jesus, glorify yourself through us. Help us to express the love, the purpose and personality of Jesus by using our gifting for the kingdom. Glorify yourself through it, Jesus. Give us your heart of love for those inside the church and those outside the church that we would love as you love, Jesus. We love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen.